Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous program, I was talking about Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, where it says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. And I was explaining in the previous program that sometimes it can be very difficult to distinguish between the real gospel, a different gospel, and that sometimes there is this variation between a person first discovering the Lord Jesus, being a baby in Christ, and then maturing in their faith, and that this variation may very well be the same gospel or fit within the category of being acceptable or enough of an understanding of the gospel that at least you are pursuing or you are going in the direction of what the real gospel is. You are actually maturing in Christ Jesus. So I was explaining in the previous program that this process of maturity does allow for some variation in our understanding of what the gospel is and that sometimes our maturity does come from a further clarification of what the gospel is, or a greater understanding of what the gospel is, or the further implications of what the gospel is, things like that, that our growth and our maturity does take place over a period of time, and that sometimes it can be very difficult to distinguish between this transition in growth and somebody just completely deviating into a direction that definitely has nothing to do with the gospel at all. Sometimes this can be a bit of a challenge. So when you talk with people about the gospel, there are some things that you might consider asking in order to try to figure out where a person might be in their growth, in their maturity, in their growth of understanding the Lord Jesus, their growth of knowing him, their growth in their relationship with him. For example, if you were to consider the Apostle Paul and the church in Jerusalem, If you had the elders and the apostles in Jerusalem together with the Apostle Paul and you asked them a few questions, they probably would give the same answers. For example, do you believe that Jesus fulfilled the prophecies concerning the Messiah that were given to us in the scriptures, referring to the Old Testament or the law and the prophets and the writings, the Psalms? Do you believe that? They would probably say, absolutely, they would be willing to die for that. Yes, that Jesus is definitely the fulfillment of prophecy. No question about that whatsoever. Did Jesus come to give us the Holy Spirit? Did he come to do that? Is that what salvation is about? It's about receiving the Spirit of God to dwell within us. Do you believe that? And they would say, absolutely. Yeah, I can look into the scriptures. I can look into the book of Acts especially. And I can see plenty of evidence to show that the church in Jerusalem would definitely acknowledge that, would definitely believe that, and that the Apostle Paul would definitely acknowledge that, he would definitely believe that. If you were to ask them, are we forgiven? Do we have forgiveness? I believe that everybody again would say, yes, we're forgiven, absolutely. When Jesus died 
on the cross, he died for the sins of the world. But then if you start asking some specific questions about forgiveness, a little bit more specific than that, then you might get some different answers. If you were to ask, well, does our God hold our sins against us now? Is there any way that he might hold our sins against us now? If we commit sin today, is he going to hold those sins against us? And Paul would say, no, he would not hold our sins against us if we committed sin today. And the sin that we commit tomorrow, he's not going to hold those sins against us either. Now, I know that there are a lot of people who would not agree with me concerning that, who would suggest that Paul would say otherwise, but that is my position. That's what I see. And I believe that the church in Jerusalem would say, yes, he does hold our sins against us today, and the sins that we commit tomorrow, he would hold against us. Now, of course, that's a contradiction, isn't it? I mean, did he die for our sins? Did he die for the sins of the world once and for all, or did he not? There is a contradiction that is exposed when somebody says, yes, we are forgiven, but no, we are not forgiven. There is a contradiction there. Now, there are all kinds of theological gymnastics that people go through today in order to say both things simultaneously. But it's still both things simultaneously. It's still saying two things that are opposed to one another. There is still a contradiction. Yes, believe it or not, people do live with this state of double-mindedness. That's true. It happens today, and I believe it happened back then. I really do. And so it depends on who you ask, and it depends on what you ask that will determine what kind of an answer you get. If you were to ask Paul, should we live according to the law? Paul would say, of course not. No, we do not live according to the law. We live being led by the Spirit of God. Now, of course, the Spirit of God is not going to lead us in a way to violate the law, but we do not live being led by the law. The church in Jerusalem, according to what I see in Acts chapter 15 and the chapters after that, they would say, no, you do not live by the law if you are a Gentile. But if you're a Jew, well, then that's another story. So, again, it depends on who you ask, what you ask, and you may get different answers, and those answers might be contradictory. At some point, there is a deviation from the gospel that becomes unacceptable. And what that point is, that point of deviation is, is a hard thing to identify. It really is. You know, when I first came to discover that Jesus is the Messiah, when I studied the prophecies in the scriptures and I realized that Jesus was the only one who could have or ever will fulfill what was prophesied in the scriptures, when I realized that, that's all that I knew. I knew that Jesus was the Messiah. Did I understand forgiveness? No, I didn't understand forgiveness, not at first. It took a significant amount of time to discover what it meant to be forgiven in a small way. And then that understanding grew even more over time. So was I saved when I discovered that Jesus is the Messiah? I would like to think that I was. I would really like to believe that. I personally don't concern myself with answering that question. I believe the Lord will make a good judgment concerning those things. But if I had to make a judgment, I would say that that would be acceptable. I do. I would prefer to say that that would be an acceptable understanding and that that would be adequate. But I remember 
very clearly. I remember living my life, being a part of the synagogue, being a part of Judaism, being a part of other people's lives, trying to live a life of repentance and obedience to the commandments of God. I remember what that was like while believing that Jesus is the Messiah. And I remember looking around and seeing all these other people who were with me, who were trying to live as God wanted us to live. I remember that. And seeing them as people who totally rejected Jesus as the Messiah. I believe that Jesus was the Messiah, and I didn't tell anybody about that right away. It was many years before I told people, before I confessed, that I believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And there were a few reasons for that. It wasn't that I was embarrassed. It was just that I knew that it wouldn't make any difference, that they had already made their decision concerning this matter. And I can tell by their conviction that it was very unlikely that anything that I would say would make any difference concerning what they believed at all. And so what would be the point? It wouldn't make any sense. There would be no value except to just simply cause a lot of trouble. So I just simply kept it to myself at first. And I remember looking at the other people and looking at myself thinking, okay, so Jesus is the Messiah, so what? I mean, now I have my life to live, and I believe that, but that doesn't really have a whole lot to do with what I'm going to do today. That doesn't have much to do with how I'm going to live my life and how I'm going to make decisions in my life today. Now, of course, today things are totally different. It has everything to do with how I live my life and how I make my decisions today. But when I first came to know that Jesus is the Messiah... That was all I knew. And I had no idea what he would do in my life. I had no idea who he was and what it meant to have a living God participating in my life. I had no idea what that was about. I didn't even know that it existed at that time. If you were to ask me, did Jesus come to give us the Holy Spirit? When I first recognized that Jesus was the Messiah, I would say, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's what I would say. I didn't understand that back then. Today, I would say that if you don't believe that Jesus came to give us the Holy Spirit, I'm not sure if you believe in the true gospel. But back then, I didn't even acknowledge that the Holy Spirit would really exist. Not in that capacity, not in that way. Was I saved back then? I would like to think that I was. But I want you to understand that there was a period of time between discovering that Jesus is the Messiah and actually growing to know who he is, there was a period of time, a significant amount of change occurred over this period of time. My understanding grew over time. And so I believe that we should appreciate the transitions that we and other people go through. We should appreciate those transitions and recognize that in many cases that transition is necessary. And for it to take place over a period of years can be acceptable and in many ways should be expected in order to give the Lord a chance to really do a work in a person's heart. Slowly, carefully, but surely to really work the soil of their being. To prepare it in the way that it needs to be prepared so that the seeds that he plants will have a wonderful opportunity to grow. Did I believe that I was forgiven? You know, I kind of did. It made sense to me in some ways, but in other ways it did not. It took several years before I realized that I was forgiven. In fact, that was the very subject 
that resulted in my giving my first public confession, which was in the synagogue. When I told people on the Day of Atonement that I believed that Jesus was the Messiah because I believed in the forgiveness that he provided through dying on the cross on our behalf and on behalf of the entire world, and that our pursuit, my pursuit of forgiveness through the Day of Atonement was unacceptable to God. That was my first public confession. And that was a confession that happened years after I realized that Jesus was the Messiah. This was an increase in my understanding of the gospel. And this increase could be described as a different gospel. You know, I believed before that the good news was that Jesus is the Messiah, and so he will have a place for me in the kingdom of heaven, but between now and then, I've got to figure out how to live my life according to the law. And then I discover that I have been forgiven. Now what am I going to do? Because if I've been forgiven, if the sin issue between my God and I is over, then what place does the law have in my life? Because if there is no punishment that can be executed against me anymore because he's taken all the punishment upon himself, then where does the law fit in my life? What what place does it have in my life? How can I live according to the law, being concerned about my obedience or the lack thereof when there is no punishment, so in effect, there is no law? It doesn't matter anymore. What do I do now? That was a very serious crisis that I encountered. What What do I do now? How do I now live? And it was an extremely difficult experience for me to sit down and wait on the Lord to show me what do I do now. I realized that what I was doing was empty. It was useless, and it was contrary to what he showed me concerning his forgiveness. But what do I do now? How do I now live? And so I determined that I would just simply wait, and I would not live in any way, specifically. I would just simply do what I had to do in order to survive, and I would wait patiently until the Lord gave me further instructions concerning what I'm supposed to do with my life. And over a period of time, over several years, he eventually began to show me what the new covenant is about, what the new life in Christ is about. And then by faith, I lived according to what he showed me, the small things that he showed me, a little bit at a time. And I began to see that there was a life that I could live outside of the law, that did not lead me into sin, but did not lead me into the law either, that there was another way of life, a life based on trust, a life based on relying on what Jesus had already accomplished for me, that it was a completely different way of life. And then years later, after that, one day I asked the Lord, how did you change my heart? And then he showed me by reflecting back on my life for years prior He showed me how a little bit at a time, the truth of the gospel, the truth of his love, the truth of his acceptance did a work in my heart so that he turned me in to a completely different person. So that there was no way that you would be able to recognize who I was versus who I became. That comparing the two would show that I was a completely different person when I was lost and he has made me into a completely different person being saved, for which I am very thankful. I am especially thankful for the fact that I know he will never 
let me go and I will never be who I once was. And I have no idea who I will be in the future, but whoever he will make me to be, I will be thankful for and I will wait patiently for. Now, this is a completely different way of life. It's a complete change. And I can describe it as a life of living in the grace of God, in the mercy of God. And there's a big difference, a huge difference, between living in the grace of God versus living in the law, the law of God that God gave, or any other law for that matter. But if I was to just consider the law of God, the law that he gave through Moses, that is a way of life, and I know what that is. And there is another way of life according to the new covenant, according to the grace of God, and I know what that life is. And I can tell you that the differences between the two are so profound that light and darkness, in my opinion, are not adequate to describe the differences. Night and day are not adequate to describe the differences. I would probably have to go as far as talking about the differences between heaven and hell in order to describe the differences between living a life under the law or living a life under grace. You know, this transition that I experienced is a transition that a lot of people experience. And they may not have started in the synagogue, but they might have started in another religion that was probably very similar. There are many religions that are like that, many religions that people are devoted to. They live a life of repentance and obedience and This life can be in one extreme or in another extreme. But regardless of the devotion, the amount of sincerity or commitment, the law can still do the same work in a person's heart, the same work in a person's life to drive them to the point of despair and destruction so that they will see that they have no hope outside of God's grace and mercy. And I believe that this experience that people have of going from one end to the other This experience of living a life with a very poor understanding of the gospel. Such a poor understanding of the gospel that you probably would call it no gospel at all. To go from that point to the point of maturity in Christ Jesus, knowing and embracing the gospel of Christ, making that transition in many cases is a very important one. And even though there can be a lot of pain and suffering... When going through this transition, even though there can be a lot of confusion when going through this transition, I really do believe that it is of great value. As I look back on the years that I have lived, living a life under law versus living a life under grace and everything in between, as I look back on that, I'm very thankful for that. I really am. Because the Lord has shown me so many things. So when I encounter an individual who has a very poor understanding of the gospel, maybe to the point where I would be tempted to say that they believe in a different gospel entirely, when I see an individual like that, there are times, doesn't always happen, but there are times when I see this individual as someone who might be going through this transition, and that the Lord may do a work in their lives, or he may not, He may do a work in their lives and he may grow them from where they are to where he will want them to be at a future point. And that this transition can be of value to them as it was for me. When we discover the grace of God and we know the power of the love of God, the acceptance of God, when we know what it means to be set free from the law, 
and we speak with other people about being set free from the law, about living a life under the grace of God. When we encounter people who are struggling with things like this, sometimes it can be a real challenge to allow them to go through the suffering of making this transition. You know, when it comes to evangelism and discipleship, sometimes I have this attitude, this heartfelt attitude, this belief, this desire. I really want people to just simply skip the pain and suffering of trying to live under the law. I really do. I want them to just go right from being born again, being born again by the Spirit of God, to walking in the new covenant right then and there, living according to the grace of God and the love of God and letting Him do a work in their hearts and transform them. Sometimes I just want them to skip the pain, skip the suffering, skip the confusion, just let go of all of that and go right into our life in Christ. But that's not the way that the Lord works in most cases. It's very unusual. I have found that the Lord will work in that way. From what I can tell, everyone needs their time of struggle. Everyone needs their time of wrestling. And if they don't experience it in the right order, if it doesn't happen, then what I have seen is that a lot of people, they walk in the grace of God for a period of time, and then they can fall back into a system of law sometimes, sometimes with greater enthusiasm than they would have otherwise if they would have tried it before. Greater enthusiasm, because they didn't really embrace the love and forgiveness of God like they could have if they did experience some good condemnation in their life by living according to the ministry of condemnation, a life under the law. I have found that a lot of people, they turn further and further away from the grace and mercy of God because they have not had the opportunity to have that struggle. And sometimes when people do turn to the law, they will then go through that process of trying and failing, of trying and failing, and then eventually, if they will be sincere enough, it will have its perfect work and drive them to the point of mercy, of forgiveness, of restoration, of reconciliation. But you know, sometimes people will not let it have its perfect work. They will not go to the end of that because they sense that they are going to arrive at where they left. They believed in the grace and mercy of God before, but they abandoned that for the law, and then the law drives them back to the grace and mercy of God, but they see that they were there before, and it did nothing for them before, and so they turn away from it, instead of realizing that now they can understand it. Now they can embrace it. Now they can truly appreciate it, where they couldn't have really appreciated it before, in the way that we would have hoped that they would have. And so this transition from a very poor understanding of the gospel to a very good understanding of the gospel can sometimes be a healthy thing, a healthy experience. And if a person really starts with the grace of God without considering the law of God first, then they might find themselves experiencing greater obstacles in the future when they turn to the law and have a hard time turning back to the grace and mercy of God. So I wanted to mention this as a description of growth, as a description of maturity, in order to explain to you why I believe the Apostle Paul would have still spent time with people who did not really embrace the gospel in the way that he did, who did not understand the gospel in the way that he did. He would be willing to do that in order to be a part of their lives and so that he could 
be involved with them and share with them and teach them and communicate with them and in some way they may experience the grace of God so that they could turn away from the law. But when he wrote his letter to the Galatians, this could have been a unique challenge. Many of the Galatians may have had some good exposure to the law. They may have been a part of the synagogue, but others may not have been. Not all of the Gentiles who Paul spoke with had a background in the law. They may have believed the grace of God right away and not had their time of struggle, of repentance and obedience. Those would have been easy targets for others coming around, telling them that they needed to live according to all of the scriptures, according to Moses, according to the law. They would have been easy targets because they had not had the opportunity to wrestle with those things. So when Paul wrote his letter to the Galatians, I believe he was writing to both categories or both classifications of people. One type of person who had their time wrestling with the law and another type of person who was beginning to wrestle with the issues concerning the law of Moses and the law of God and are turning away from the grace of God because they never had that opportunity to wrestle with the condemnation of the law to fully appreciate the grace and mercy of God for what it truly is. And so when you study the letter that he wrote to the Galatians, you will find him talking about this transition, this transition of going from law to grace, this transition of being led by the law to being led by the Spirit, and what the people would need to understand in order to really make that transition. Now, I am out of time for this program, but I want to encourage you to listen to the programs I did on spiritual warfare, because in those programs I talk about the history of the law, the purpose of the law, how it is used in order to bring a person to Christ Jesus. And this would be very helpful for you to understand in order to really appreciate the next few programs that I am going to be broadcasting. And I will continue in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you,